today, in just a few minutes, we're going to be in Isaiah 48. Again, as we have been doing, I would encourage you to keep it open in front of you because it's kind of a long chapter and there are lots of things and we want to be able to see those things. But we'll be in Isaiah 48 in just a moment. In the late 90s, I began driving down to L.A. at least once a week for graduate school. And I would listen to the radio, and I began catching a segment called Character Counts by a guy named Michael Josephson, who was a lawyer with a pretty impressive background. In 1997, he was invited by KNX 1070 to record short personal editorials to help listeners see the world through the lens of ethics and compassion. It ran for 14 years, making it one of the longest-running features of its kind in radio. And what I loved about it is that it made me think about my behavior and my integrity. And the juxtaposition of needing this kind of wisdom while I was navigating perpetually clogged freeways and juggling work and school and marriage was not lost on me. <laughs> I was grateful for a little philosophical truth in the middle of my day. This was the time before we had Olivia, but I remember one segment distinctly talking about the impact adults have on the lives of children. And my memory was that he quoted Eric Fromm, who's a notable social psychologist, who emphasized how humans have a need for both freedom and belonging. And in speaking about character development, Fromm said this, the most important influence on a child is the character of its parents rather than this or that single event. In other words, a parent influences their child more by what is caught than what is taught, more than how they act than what they actually teach. And this formational transmission of a child who grows up is more crucial than the big moments that make up childhood. Now, what do you think about this? I'm sure we could have prolonged discussions about our experiences and our opinions. We could find research that debunks or confirms this premise. I was just listening to the radio people. I mean, just, you know, kind of attempting to live my life. And they were just attempting to inspire people to live with truth and goodness because who we are matters and all the children that we influence, whether we're parents or not. And a lot of harm has come. A lot of harm has come as a result of those whose actions and whose character did not match. In Isaiah 48, Yahweh is still talking. Yahweh is still instructing his children. And in reading these words, what occurred to me was not just what was being taught, but the character of the one who is speaking. And I began to ruminate about why it matters who God is. Of course, it matters, but why? I began to really think about the character of God and how, how the character of God has a profound influence on us. Surely, if human children are formed by who their parents are, isn't that also true, especially true of the Lord who made us? So today we're going to be talking about God's character from Isaiah 48. But before we read the passage, I want to give us some reasons why it's essential for us to know the nature of God. And I want you to know that in my notes I wrote, pure CHB. 
That means I didn't Google this. That means no AI chatbot helped me. This is just pure CHB for you, so. All right. It's important for us to know the character of God because we anchor our lives on who God is. Not just what the Almighty does for us, but because of who he is. We're commanded to love the Lord with all we are, to trust him more than we trust ourselves. Instead of leaning on our own understanding, when we give our lives to anything or anyone besides our infinite grace-filled God, be it people or our jobs or the church or our own amazingness, that's why it's pure CHB, nobody else would say that, then we find ourselves tossed around by the situations that we find ourselves in. Whatever we hold on to that isn't God cannot keep us secure. Also, God's character informs what it means to be made in his image. As we are being transformed into his likeness, we know what it means to be holy. We know what it means to be loving and to be patient. What we are becoming isn't abstract. It is a known God that we emulate our lives after. It's important to know the character of God because we need who he is in the joys and the sorrows of our lives. When we are in pain, Jesus is comfort. When we are lost, Jesus is faithful. When we are sinful, Jesus is forgiveness. When we are confused, Jesus is truth. When we die, Jesus is resurrection. We need the strength and the voice and the life that only the Savior is. We need something bigger than ourselves. We need the majesty of God to remind us how unlimited he is. We need the creativity of God to fill our senses. We need the eternity of God to give us hope. We need to know the Father's character because we need the constancy that only God can offer. Everything is temporary. Everything we know ends. But God stays the same from generation to generation, from everlasting to everlasting. In the middle of so much change, we need sameness and stability. We need to know the all-knowing God to give us wisdom beyond ourselves. Our knowledge and discernment only go so far. Even when we collectively come together, our best thoughts and our best research and our best expressions of art fall so short of God's glory. We need who God is to help us understand and navigate life. We need to know the one who lives in us. We need to build relationship with the one that we're going to spend eternity with, especially since we're going to his home. We don't want to be deity adjacent. We want to be fully connected to the Lord who made us. And lastly, we need to be reminded of God's character because we need to be reminded that we are not God. Can I get an amen about that? Amen. Right. There is one who made us, one that we worship and revere. And if we don't worship him, then what can happen to us and does happen to us is that we put ourselves in the center and we give ourselves the greatest worth. So this is Isaiah 48. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who come forth from the loins of Judah who swear by the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. The former things I declared long ago, 
They went out from my mouth, and I made them known. Then suddenly I did them, and they came to pass. Because I know that you are obstinate, and your neck is an iron, is an iron sinew, and your forehead brass. I declared them to you from long ago. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, so that you would not say, mm, my idol did them. My carved image and my cast image commanded them. You have heard, now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forward, I tell you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today, you have never heard of them so that you could not say, yeah, I already knew that. You have never heard, you have never known. From of old, your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would act very treacherously, and that from birth you were called a rebel. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, so that I may not cut you off. See, I have refined you, but not like silver. I have tested you in the furnace of adversity. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For why should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel whom I called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summon them, they stand at attention. Assemble all of you and hear. Who among them has declared these things? The one the Lord loves shall perform his purposes against Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will prosper on his way. Draw near to me, hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you how to succeed, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your prosperity would have been like a river and your success like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea, declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it, send it forth to the ends of the earth. Say the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split open the rock and the water gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Oh God, may your word that you spoke so long ago live, live this morning. Holy Spirit, we believe that you are here. Help us to listen. These thoughts that I have are just my thoughts from you, but Lord, you have things to say to your people who are gathered here. And so Lord, speak and help us to listen. Amen. There's something about God's character that makes it feel like we are on holy ground. Jesus, who could have used so many names for Yahweh, chooses to use Father most of all. 
And this has built into it automatically a relationship that we understand. The word has always been laden, of course, with a lot of emotion and baggage, but also great love and tender care. And so I don't know how you view God, but I invite you to consider the closeness we are welcome to have with the Father as we look at a few words spoken to his children. So here are some characteristics of God, just a few that I see through uh, chapter 48, and I invite you, of course, you may see some of your own. In verses 1 and 2, we see how the Father wants to be known. He is open to all. So many places in this uh, chapter, he says, listen, I want you to understand. I want you to know. God is telling Israel to hear him. The word for listen is sama. It doesn't permit really any separation between perception and action. God wants us to hear and to listen and then to obey. If you hear um, the Lord speak, do you listen? Sometimes I think we say, well, the Lord didn't speak to me or the Lord doesn't, doesn't speak to me. And I think sometimes that that's a little bit of a smokescreen. He might not speak to me the way he speaks to you, but God does speak. The question is whether or not we listen. How is it that we actively listen to the voice of God? Do we take time to seek Jesus, not just for the requests that we have, but to seek just who Jesus is, who Jesus is in a situation? I had a leader call me yesterday who said, I don't really want your advice. I just want you to seek the Lord with me. I just want you to listen with me for what the Lord is saying for this situation that I have. I don't want to miss what God is trying to say. I want you to join me in just listening to what Jesus is saying. I love that. I love that reminder to actively listen for who Jesus is and what he has to say. Because this kind of listening teaches us a lot about God. Verse 1 is actually a conviction about how the people invoke God's name, but not because they care about him and not because they care about what is right. They use the name of the Lord to get what they want, but all that the Lord wants is to be known by his people. In leadership circles today, vulnerability is considered such a good character trait. It's a sign of emotional intelligence, and here Yahweh leads the way. In verses 3 and 4, we're reminded that God is a truth teller. The people are being told the things clearly that are happening, things that were spoken a long time ago. God is reminding them what those promises were. Being honest or not is a hallmark of one's character, is it not? We have an interesting relationship sometimes with the truth. We play with it. We avoid it. We laugh when we get away with lying. We use truth to our advantage when it suits us and then disregard it when it doesn't. We argue about it. We're afraid of the consequences of truth even as we long for it to set us free. But we're often confused by the truth. We can be unsure about where it will lead. We actually don't have the power to control God's truth, but sometimes we think that we do and we sure try. Here the Lord tells them, that he is being honest with them. He says, I'm being honest with you because I know that there will be a day that you will say, I didn't hear that or I didn't know that or see how my idol did that for me. When they would seek to worship in other ways, but Yahweh wanted them to hear from him alone, but they were obstinate. The word obstinate here 
can also be translated stubborn. It means temperamentally difficult. I love that. A neck of iron cannot bow in submission to anyone. The Lord speaks the truth. In verses 6 through 8, we see the goodness of God even when humans are treacherous and proud. God chooses to love us, to go up before us with plans that we can't even begin to foresee. We see in Isaiah over and over again how God plays the long game, how God is patient, how God is endurance as part of his character. Isaiah says, from long ago, God told you these things would come to pass. But the people were impatient for resolution. The people wanted help now. The people wanted what they wanted now. And I think, oh Lord, that sounds like me. I want what I want now. But listen to the Japanese theologian Kasuki Koima. God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speed since it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice or not, whether we are currently hit by storm or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore, it is the speed the love of God walks. Isn't that beautiful? I was thinking how this frame would help me when I get impatient. Impatient with the things that I want to see be different. Impatient with the things that I want to see in my life. To stop and to recognize that God comes at the speed of love. Wow. In verse 9, Yahweh says he defers his anger in order not to cut off the people and to retain his good name. This is about character. Because most of the time, unleashed anger harms people. It hurts the bond that we have with one another. And God says, I'm not going to trade my glory or my reputation just to express frustration, however justified. And that's something for us to consider. How much do we lose when we go off on other people? In verse 13, God declares how the foundation of the earth was laid out by his hand. God is hospitable and giving he made a beautiful world for all creatures to enjoy and belong in. Hospitality is about creating belonging for people, that people would be welcomed. When God speaks, the heavens stand at attention. This is our Father's world, and he graciously partners with us so that we would be good stewards, so that we would take care of the home that we have been given just like we don't trash the homes that we live in, we are meant to take care of these things that belong to the Lord. We are to leave the earth, with a clear, which is a clear expression of God's love and good shape for those who come after us. Verse 16 is about the character trait of transparency. God is not secretive. He doesn't have a hidden agenda. Often people in power hide and obscure their actions and their motivations. 
This is not the Lord's way. The Lord wants you to know what he's doing. He wants your questions and your doubts and your frustrations. He's clear about the expectation of holiness and love. We can come before God with all that we are, and he will meet us. And he wants transparency from us. And I was thinking about how much this is about communication, how much life is better when we just talk about things. In verses 17 through 19, we see how the Father teaches us to succeed. God tells us the way we should go. This is about redemption and deliverance, which often comes in surprising ways. Here it will come through King Cyrus for Isaiah's audience. How much we need the wisdom and the creativity of the one who made us. Because we are easily led down paths that are not good for us, that are not places we should go. The one who sees all urges his children to listen. In him we can find forgiveness. We can find good life, abundant life. All good parents want their children to thrive. All healthy moms and dads want their kids to know wisdom and have a life full of joy. This is a reminder of what success looks in God's world. Lastly, in 20 and 21, we are reminded how God uses miraculous power for his people to thrive, as he did for the children of um, Israel going through the desert with Moses. Surely they would have died had Yahweh not sustained them with manna and water in the desert. God shares abundantly with those that he loves. God expects us to be his hands and feet and to share what he has given abundantly with one another. Those who trust in the Lord, Isaiah says, will know great peace. Peace, which is an overriding characteristic of God. So why does God's character matter to you? Right now in your life, what aspect of God's nature is influencing you in the way that you should go? How's God's character influencing you in who it is that you are becoming? Are you aware of that? Are you listening for that? Are you taking intentional steps of who you are being? Remember in this passage, God is in the middle of telling people to get rid of his idols. What a better way to let go of the dead things that harm us than to remember who God is. The Almighty, whose tender love and directive truth continues to pursue us all of our lives. In many ways, through Isaiah, we have seen the persistence of God, who never gives up on his children, ever, and always holds out hope for us to know him fully. So where do you see God's persistent love and directive truth in your life? Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.